Hey, Taste Buds. Today's very special crossover edition of House of Carbs brought to you by our good pals at Lisa. Lisa is an innovative direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that is also socially conscious. We have sung their praises on this podcast before. For every 10 mattresses that Lisa sells, they donate one to a shelter through their 110 program. Try a Lisa mattress in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and Germany online with free shipping. This is a 100% American-made mattress that ships compressed in a box right to your front door. You can give it a try, a little test drive if you like, at the Lisa Dream Gallery in Soho, New York City, as well as Virginia Beach. And you can get yourself to any one of 80 West Elm stores nationwide. The West Elms carry it. Get in there and give it a test drive. Speaking of test drive, get $125 off and get a free pillow when you go to lisa.com slash carbs. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash carbs. Hungry Homies, today's show also brought to you by the good people at Juul, which is the sous vide by Chef Steps. Hungry Homies, you expect precision from your smart thermostat, your smart lighting, your camera, maybe even the drone that you bought your kids. I am not buying my seven-year-old a drone. But why settle for less when you cook? The Joule sous vide uses precise temperature control and a trademarked visual doneness guide to cook food exactly the way that you want it at the temperature that you want it at. Joule is perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash Joule and use the code CARBS to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E promo code CARBS. All right, my taste buds, as you know, House of Carbs is brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. A few mentions of things going on right this second. Right now on the ringer.com, check out the Portland Food Diary by our very own hungry homie, Danny Chow. He is our roving, eating man on the ground. He has outstanding food and drink suggestions. Always keep an eye on his Instagram, at Danny King Chow. Right now on the Ringer Podcast Network, the podfather, Bill Simmons, has Jason Hare on to talk about the Andre the Giant documentary that premieres this week and has been getting nothing but rave reviews. You also can check out Recapables this week for this week's episode of Billions. That's Bill Simmons and Mallory Rubin talking about this week's episode of Billions. And don't you forget, it's time to start repping the ringer with hoodies, tees, and hats. The ringer.com slash shop has lots of offerings. Now, you have to get in there quickly because we, there's a limited supply. But some fresh hoodies, some fresh tees, some fresh hats. I modeled one at Augusta National last week. Check them all out. My hungry homies, my taste buds, my culinary comrades, here we are. Another edition of House of Cars, the food podcast 
for the hungry people, by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. This is a special crossover edition. We are mishing and mashing with the Ringer NBA show. There is only one man in the Ringer universe qualified to have an opinion about all 16 of the NBA teams and cities that are in this year's 2018 NBA playoffs. That is the podfather himself, Bill Simmons. He is coming on. We are ranking from 16 to 1, the very best food experiences among all of the playoff teams in this year's NBA playoffs. Let's get in that belly with the podfather, Bill Simmons. All right, my taste buds, my hungry homies, my culinary comrades, I'm humbled, I'm honored, and always a little bit hungry. Another week with the podfather himself, Bill Simmons is on House of Carbs today. Mm. And the, the reason that Bill is joining is because we are, to me, in the midst of the best sports month on the calendar. Oh, yeah. I know, I know there's an argument between April and October, right, B.S.? I, I'm prone to April. I don't think there's anything better than that first round when you when you have the Masters, WrestleMania, Final Four, and then it goes right into baseball starting. Everybody's still feeling good about their baseball team. And then it creeps right into um, the NBA, NHL playoff combo. There's like an eight-day stretch there in round one when it's just there's just sports on constantly every single day. And my wife hates me, and it's the best. I, I agree. It. It, it is the best. I'm also partial to April because it's a glorious time of year. Yes. It, it portends that we have like six or seven months of of good weather and shorts and comfortable clothes. And honestly, as it relates to the house of carbs, some great eating in front of us. You bet, that's, not- a, that's a key point, House, because I it's been so long since I lived on the East Coast. April you know, for three straight decades represented hope and hope just, just waiting out of this six month, terrible winter or five months, however long it would be where all of a sudden now the sun was shining. We used to have halter top day was a big day. Big um, day in New York city. Yeah. And just like I, all of a sudden people were just so excited. It was going to get warm again. And there was a real energy and the sports and the playoffs always tied into that. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about food. This is going to be a really interesting uh, discussion. We are ranking. I, we are ranking. I'm glad you think so. We're ranking the NBA playoff cities in terms of who we hope makes the finals because that's where we would want to have the best meal. Yeah. So you will be at the NBA finals this year, no matter which yeah, two I'm cities going to end up. Yeah, you're going to every one, and we're going to look at this. Uh, we're going to consider the possibilities through the prism of which two cities would be the best for our bellies. Yes, and also, like, the finals matchup gets settled, and I text you, and I say, oh, blank's in there. Oh, we got to go. And we, there's just a, a tangible excitement that's completely food-related. It has nothing to do with basketball. So- when I told you I want to do this, I told you I was going to give you a top six. I went a little further. Good. We're, we're going good. from 16 to one because I, I think we should shit on some cities too. <laughs> That's so rude. Yeah. So rude. Yeah. Let's do some shitting. Uh, 
16th. Coming in at number 16. Uh, no offense, by the way, no offense to any of these cities. It's not the fault of the people who live there. Uh, not every city gets to have a David Chang just pop up and, you know, start a culinary revolution. Not every city has a history of barbecue or Chinese food or whatever's going on. Some cities are just kind of in America and getting by and <laughs> it's not their fault. With that said, what? my number 16 city, Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, as I looked at this list, let me hear your explanation for why Cleveland is, comes in at 16 for you. My explanation is we went there in the uh, for the collector's convention years ago with our friend Hershey. And when we tried to figure out where to eat, we settled on a Morton's, which I can get in any city. There wasn't any. So I'm sure there's a couple. Oh, you, oh, you should have known about this place or that place. But uh, Cleveland is like that. OKC I have at number 15. Yeah. And it's basically Cleveland, but with a little more of a Southwestern, the, you know, there's some, there's a meat scene going. I, I, I was stuck in OKC a couple of times. Uh, let's just say this KD opened a restaurant called KD's, which I think was ranked fourth at one point and the best restaurants in OKC. Anytime yeah. a restaurant named after an athlete is in your top five, probably not a great food scene. So for yeah, me, that, it's that's, 16 and 15. You agree with that? That's a good rule of thumb. Uh, if if one of the top five restaurants in your city is has been opened by a sports figure, not, not a great food look for your city. I agree with both of those selections. I also want to add the, you know, the observation. We're going to get a lot of input from people that that claim, "Oh, you you guys are idiots. You're uh, whitewashing this whole thing. You're you're using too broad a brush in considering yeah. this." And so we just sort of I'm I'm going to uh, admit it up front. We 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 are making gross generalizations here about yeah. the food scenes in many of these cities. We haven't been to every one of these cities, although we've been to to quite a few as been I was most looking at them. the list. Yeah, yeah. been the most of them. So we have a perspective. It's not going to, we're not authorities on the food in these cities, but you know, I, I can't argue with either one of Cleveland or OKC in the, in the bottom quadrant there because they're, they're both just meat cities. OKC, in our experience. when I was there in 2010, the quote unquote best restaurant to go to after the game was called Mickey Mantles. Yet another sports figure. So I just want to point that out. Also, if anyone's offended by this or upset, you just need to reevaluate things. House and I have known each other for 30 plus years. This is the kind of shit we talk about. We decided to do a podcast. There's going to be gross generalizations. We're going to be unfair. We didn't do a lot of research for it. And if you're offended, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just my gut reactions listing all the cities. We did not what? We did not do like a, a two and a half hour deep dive into, oh, has anything changed in the OKC food scene in the last two years? I don't care. These are just my opinions. If you don't want to listen, turn us off. Well, it's not just the, that that part, but this is your belly. Like yeah, you my belly. are going to have to physically go and eat. So what are you excited about? This is the ranking. This is my belly and your belly and the telepathic connection those two uh, bellies have had over the years. They've, they've had combining some connections. We to try to figure to, out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we connected in Augusta, Georgia last week. Yeah. And, we, and guess what? We ate stuff there and it was delicious. Good, um, good stuff. We had some good stuff. All right. Number 14, uh, a city very near and dear to my heart. I spent a great Super Bowl week there once. I think you were there too, Indiana. Um, yeah. I, I liked uh, Indiana. I was, uh, we had a good time at St. Elmo's. Yeah, and listen, St. Elmore's is a fine restaurant. The shrimp cocktail sauce was great. It put hair in my chest. Lord knows I needed more hair in my chest. But I'm always skeptical of cities that when you go, people only mention one restaurant. Like at that, like 
if you went to basically any city, nobody, if you went to San Francisco, nobody would be like, Hey, you got to eat at Jackie's. Like there's San Francisco is a hundred restaurants. Um, yeah. But you go to Indiana and like, do you go to St. Elmo's? And St. Elmo's is good. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's a giant steakhouse. The Bloody Marys are great. I like the shrimp cocktail. Had a the, good steak. It wasn't like life altering or anything. I mean, to, to be honest, the best meal that we had together when we went to uh, Indianapolis for the Super Bowl was uh, when we went and visited the bar. The Conrad. Operated by, um, well, not, no, no. The Conrad was fine. That was just drinks and charcuterie. But I'm talking about, we went to Jason Whitlock's family. His parents oh, that owned was and great. operated a bar. And we got like, home cooked yeah. home style food that they serve at the bar we were eating ribs and and I couldn't stop i mean yeah. you had to roll me out of there so i did think of that and i and i think that should be mentioned by the way none of these cities are losers the the next 14 cities we're going to name they're not losers this is just a meritocracy in a ranking OKC and Cleveland, sorry, you guys actually are losers and from a food scene. <laughs> and I don't know what else to tell you. You just, you drew the short end of the straw. The good news is OKC got to watch three MVPs and Cleveland's got to watch LeBron. That's great. They won the title. Like food is not, it, it, some, sometimes it's not your thing. Um, Indiana, that was a great experience. I think there's a whole soul food scene there that is yeah. kind of underrated. There's worth mentioning. Yeah. And I, and unfortunately the, when I was there, I'd spent a lot of time at the Aubon pan, which I don't think is a great sign. Number 13, uh, another yeah. city I've been to a bunch of times, Milwaukee, which is basically in that OKC Cleveland range, except there's like a whole sausage bratwurst, like old school kind of things you're not supposed to eat anymore. Sauerkraut, cheese, uh, curds. cheese curds. Yeah. All stuff that is just incredibly and unfathomably unhealthy. And yet I've had a good time eating there. The food's good. I don't know if there's the high-end restaurant scene maybe that we we're looking for, but if you're just looking to gain seven pounds in four days, like I recommend Milwaukee. I think it's great. I've never set foot in Milwaukee, so I'm looking forward to that experience. I want to do that one time. I went to Lambeau, and it was the only time I've ever seen um, triple XL and quadruple XL football jerseys for sale. So we'll <laughs> leave it at that. Number 12, a city that I have spent way too much time in and hope to never go to again. No offense there, but I just feel like... I don't know. I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 80, 85. Like I only have so many months left and I feel like I did my, my tour of duty here, San Antonio. Um, yeah. So, so go ahead. I'm interested in your, your take on it. Good Mexican. Yeah. I think the thing with Mexican is Mexican has a ceiling, right? Mexican is an innings eater and it can be really good. But you, the, the, the concept of great, like unfathomably awesome Mexican I've had very good Mexican a huge bunch of times in my life. You rarely have like the overwhelming Mexican food experience. It's just very good. It's solid. It serves purpose. You get to dip stuff and put different sauces on things. I spent a lot of time there. There was actually a fish place that I really liked that I found. The Riverwalk, um, throw that out. I mean, that's yeah. the Riverwalk is a tourist trap. The water's green. If you touch the water, your finger just disintegrates. Uh, it, incredibly overrated. But there is a very good Mexican scene, and I th yeah, and I, I think it should be commended. 
that that's where uh, San, San Antonio um, deserves the place that it has on this ranking, where where you're putting it, because it's basically just a one note food town in my in my experience as well. Yes, uh, the taquerias, you know, you can get very Great. very authentic uh, in in San Antonio, and that that commends it. So. Uh, but it, it it it's not a top ten food food. Yeah, and again, there are no losers anymore. Everybody wins with the rest of this list. The only people that lost were the first two cities we mentioned. Um, <laughs> I have Utah at number eleven. So, so I have I have only eaten there once, and it was a great meal. But the thing that stuck with me was Steve Kerr said once that somewhere in Utah, whether it's Salt Lake or something, has the best restaurant he's ever been to. And that's stuck in the back of my head. I think atmosphere matters. I like the high altitude. You get a little groggy. You get a couple drinks, a couple food. It's just like a fun experience. The setting's great. And uh, it's just a little more exciting to eat there. Those are, I might be wrong with all of that, but that was my case. <laughs> yeah, I've never been uh, to Salt Lake City, so I've never eaten... Uh, I, I I passed through it. I flew into it and then got into a car and drove. I've never actually set foot in the city. I've flown into the airport, uh, and I've eaten in in Park City, Utah, and the food there is you know ski bum ski town delicious. Yeah, I don't know anything about the food scene in Salt Lake City. Let's just ask the hungry homies to hit us with suggestions. I mean, like, you know, let's belly source a little bit from Salt Lake. I'm interested in what the food scene's all about in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I. To me, this is word of mouth. I have, again, we've done no research whatsoever, and this is just my belly talking. I feel like yeah. I've heard enough times over the years that the food in Utah is kind of a thing that my belly drifted um, toward them for the 11th spot. Number uh, number 10, I cheated. You're not going to be happy. Um, I, I, I hit up David Chang for advice on some of these cities because I had okay. been to a couple. That's fine. And- He's very bullish on Minneapolis. Oh, interesting. Which I did well, not what, expect. Is and I'm gonna let me guess something about that. I, I have you, no details. He just he just told me where they should be on the list. I didn't follow his list completely, but the fact that he was bullish on Minneapolis um, raised some eyebrows on this end. I only have two eyebrows, but both of them were raised. Well, I'll tell you, I I got a lot of input from folks in Minnesota who thought that we might be getting together uh, at the Super Bowl, right. that we might physically attend. And so people started hitting us on the Instagram, at the House of Carbs, and on the Twitter as well, with suggestions of places to go. It fell in kind of two categories, it seemed like. Like a lot of gastropub kind of focused mm, stuff, like I maybe like innovations in terms of that that kind of idea. And you know they're going to do beer correctly yes. in Minneapolis. The other thing that I'm interested in that I uh, would want to explore if we had the time is there's Ethiopian food in Minneapolis oh. because uh, of a big concentration of Ethiopian folks. I think Washington, D.C. and Minneapolis have the greatest concentration, I might be wrong about that, of, uh, uh, of Ethiopians. But I know they have a big... Um, uh, co congregation there, and I'm interested in that food scene. That's the biggest hole in my food resume right now, f in terms of food that I actually like that I don't know enough about is Ethiopian. Oh, we're gonna fill that. DC they, is insane. We, we yeah, gotta get you I know out DC here. DC does. LA has Little Ethiopian, and it's literally a block. They're not kidding yeah. when they call it Little Ethiopia, but <laughs> it's, it's literally um, little. But I, I like there's some creativity with the Ethiopian food that I didn't realize that was as big of a Minnesota scene. I also think they have there's there's a lot of like uh, a lot of meat, right? There's a good good in, weird in, hunting in the scene Ethiopian in Minnesota. cuisine. For no, no, sure, I'm saying yeah. in Minnesota. 
Oh yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. There's no uh, shortage. Yeah, they can they go out and kill like a bison. If if you're into game, I think you can do game there. Yes, I believe that's true. Well, I'm into game because I'm a fucking man and I like to eat meat. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> number nine, uh, I I didn't want to be a homer. It would personally rank higher for me because I lived there forever. My dad lives there now. I know all the restaurants. I know all the places to go. So if my personal rankings, if I was just being a complete homer, would be top five. But I think to be fair for the accuracy of this list, Boston has to be ninth. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested now. I'm looking at the list and I'm trying to come up with what cities Boston would jump ahead of. Uh, Listen, and in that I, top my eight. Belly, my belly chose this list. My belly <laughs> spent more time in Boston than every other city I've been in combined. And- I'm just listening to my belly here. I Boston nine. If I'm in, if the Celtics are in, fi- in the finals, obviously that's incredible for a million different reasons, and the food would be great, and I would love it. But it would feel familiar. It wouldn't I, I be want, like, oh, give me a reason. Give me a reason to to ever leave North End. Why would I leave North End if I'm going to go eat in Boston? I'm trying to think. What am I missing? If what what restaurant am I going to miss if I if I just stick to the if I go eat every single night in the north end so you know Boston like any other place has pockets uh, that DC's like that I think every every good major city has pockets of different food at the north end is one of the most satisfying pockets I've ever seen in any city where it's 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 just a finite amount of space and box you know exactly how big it is you know where all the places are um, there's a, there's some variety. There's an oyster house place. That's like the number one place there. That's a three hour, a three hour, um, line. My cousin Kristen works there sometimes. Shout out to her. But, um, that's probably the number one place, but they have a bunch of stuff down there. And back to your point, you just, you go down there at five o'clock and you just figure it out and it's going to go well. Cause you're in the North end, you it's, know, it's, it's just going to go they, well. You could just have six Italian meals and cover all of the regions of, of Italy, all the regional cuisines of Italy. You can do high-end pizza. You can do low-end pizza. You can do meat focus. You can do pasta focus. And I'm just talking about Italy. This and, is why I, I I always enjoy losing myself in the North End when I visit Boston. And you left out the bakeries, like the old school. We don't give a fuck about what the stat, what the what the stories are coming out about baked goods and flour. Like you're gonna eat this the way we made it in 1930. Here it is. Yeah, great. There's a lot of gluten. They're not afraid oh. of gluten. They, they if if you ask for like a gluten free anything in the North End, they would just beat the living shit out of you and leave you for dead <laughs> in the alley. That's what happens. I've, I've seen it. I know for a fact. Uh, number eight. I really struggled. Once we get to the top eight, this became very hard and. I got to be honest, it became very serious and I developed my own playoff intensity, really putting a lot of thought into how this would go and what I wanted and what my belly wanted and the reactions you would have on the phone as we planned our thing. Number eight for me is Philly. Um, Oh, wow. And I didn't make the decision lightly. Lord knows the Philly fans are fucking sensitive. So I, I don't know what to tell you. I hope they don't get mad at me, but um, well, we did bet on them. Well, we did. We did bet on them. And I think there's a real possibility they make the finals. And we're going to have to take this. Um, this this could be a real conversation that we're having six weeks from now. I think the cheesesteak thing 
you know, your head goes there right away and you, and just like, oh, cheesesteaks, that'll be great. But after two days, you're ready for other stuff. You know the Philly scene better than I do. Um, what kind of options are we going to have if I'm if I'm there for a week? How how good am I looking? So you're you're looking extraordinarily good. Uh, the Ringer's own Chris Ryan, native son of Philadelphia. Yeah, he, he and I got together for a for a Philly food takeover in December. Yeah, and it was a real revelation to me. Uh, how uh, diverse the food scene is in Philly. I, like you, has sort of organized organized in my head. And I've done eating in Philly because D.C. and Philly are close to each other. You can get some great Asian food. You can just get some great Italian food. There's a strong Italian tradition in Philly, duh. And, you know, the cheesesteak thing and then the roast pork, kind of the whole sandwich game, you know that that is going to be on point. Chris Ryan and I went and ate a variety of of Mediterranean and really Israeli-focused food that was just unbelievable. And if you wanted to sort of go light for the week, if you if you are not in a frame of mind where you you wanted to do a cheesesteak, you know, every single night and wake up heavy every morning, you can go have a, a, a terrific falafel. You can go have uh, hummus four different ways. You can go the best restaurant in Philly um, by by reputation and accolade is this restaurant by a chef named Michael Solomonoff. He and his partner Stephen Cook have this restaurant Zahav, which is an is- Israeli restaurant and it is you know kind of served in that mediterranean style of a whole number of small dishes you know that that spanish tapas idea but you know um with the flavors of 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 israel we had you know mostly vegetable focus but of course he brought the 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 this beautiful uh, uh lamb this lamb shoulder mm. That that was like melting in the mouth, uh, delicious. The other thing that was shocking was duck hearts, the li- unbelievable duck hearts that melt in your mouth. You don't, you, it, it just tastes like duck. Um, but you know, the, the the diversity of cuisine in Philly at this moment cannot be underestimated. And I think you would have a terrific eating week there. The the problem is we bet on them, so they're not going to be in the finals this year. <laughs> I, I do feel like, don't you feel like the cheesesteak? In Philly is a little like the clam chowder in Boston. Like the clam chowder in Boston has this reputation that so far exceeds the actual quality of the clam chowder. First of all, you can get clam chowder basically anywhere that has clams. It's not like the Boston clam chowder is better than anyone else's clam chowder. I think it's kind of a thing, but it certainly isn't like when I go back to Boston, I'm like, man, I can't wait to go balls deep in a clam chowder. Like I just, it's just not that good. It's fine. Well, I think about like, oh, I can't wait to go to the red hat and have boneless Buffalo chicken wings. And they're going to be think, incredible. I, I, I'm going to uh, uh, take issue with comparing the clam chowder ch- to the cheesesteaks. Cause the cheesesteaks in Philly really are genuinely and uniquely um unbelievable and you really do have to eat them in Philly or, or the Philly surrounds you can't get a Philly a Philly cheesesteak a proper So it's Philly not reputation it's it's no. actually delivers on the goods cuz I remember del- having them once maybe I had a bad experience but I my, the first time I had one in Philly at one of my book tours um I just basically expected to pass out from joy and it was it was really good it wasn't overwhelming and I and I don't know how far you can take the cheesesteak but Guess what? I'd love to find out if Philly made the finals. I want to know how far I can take the cheesesteak. 
Well, I think you, you could do it just once and then go do, you know, a Philly food tour that covers a whole lot of unexpected uh, varieties, unbelievable Vietnamese and Thai places. We, we, mm. we the, the guys behind Federal Donuts, which is a donut and fried chicken place. Yeah. So that's one of the things. Healthy. Our boy Tom Henneman uh, pointed out this joint called Stock, which is just unbelievable. He sent us a picture afterwards um, of like that Vietnamese pho style, that soup, you know, with the, with the beautiful uh, vegetables and, and beef broth and that kind of thing. So that that's that's basically... Uh, the vibe. The, the important thing to note is that the 11th best cheesesteak place in Philly is better than anything I could have in Cleveland. That's true. Yeah. So I just want to mention that one more time. Uh, number seven, I almost had Philly ahead of this city and then I, I flipped it because uh, I put Washington DC seventh because for me in my belly, I have the ultimate tour guide in one Joe house. Cause you have, you've eaten at all the relevant places. And I know like if Washington's in the finals, which I think the only way that could happen is if the other seven teams in the East came down with some sort of uh, virus that just knocked everybody out. And it was just like the only team that was still healthy was Washington. I don't see any other way that they can make it considering the John Wall versus the teammates thing is is um, the secret storyline that's going on in the NBA right now. And you know it and you don't want to talk about it. Washington's not going to make the finals. But if they did... I would I would love to go to Momofuku one day. I would love to go to that place we went with Uncle Tony that time. Um, you would take me to that Italian place that you love and that one steak place you love. And I would basically get the greatest hits house tour and I'd be very happy. Yeah. So obviously I have a few uh, issues with what you just said. Um, I thought it was rude that you would suggest that the Wiz can't make the finals unless the, all of the East comes down with a virus. Uh, I will also observe that the Wiz have in the past had this sort of galvanizing moment as the playoffs arrive. All of the the sort of drama of the regular season seems to fall away during in the Wall Beal era. They are undefeated in the first round of the playoffs, which I think for you and your Boston Celtics should be concerning because there's a distinct possibility the Wizards and the Celtics play in the first round. But, um, you know, this this Wizards team, I've been saying it all for, for many uh, uh, months now, they, they don't fear anybody in the East. There isn't anybody in the East they look at and say we can't beat. Now, LeBron did did turn it on a little bit here in the last yeah. like, eight weeks or so. And if LeBron's playing like that, then nobody's going to beat uh, Cleveland, including Philadelphia. But your, your, House, your point— Nobody wants to hear your pathetic your point, justifications your, of this your terrible point Wizards on season. us having a wonderful eating experience in D.C. is well taken. Plus, I get I, Uncle Tony. Yeah. The last time so, I was there, we basically like Uncle Tony cheated on his entire family with us. He, he rented a hotel room. It was like, right home was saying it was like he had an affair. Like he was Don Draper in the 50s. Only well, affair yeah. was with me and you taking him out to restaurants. <laughs> it was restaurants the best. That, that he hadn't heard of and that he wouldn't go oh, to so in the ordinary course. And that that's that's the thing that I like uh, in, in particular with Uncle Tony is, yeah. is being the tour guide on, so that, a, on a new adventure. Yeah, that made them number seven. Uncle Tony, one of my five favorite human beings. Quick break to talk about Google Assistant. I know Bill Simmons uses Google Assistant. He uses it to book himself a table for Fort Major Domo out there in Los Angeles, the fantastic David Chang restaurant. With the Google Assistant, you can complete over a million actions on your phone, in your car, around the house. 
You just give it a direction like, hey, Google, book me a table for four at Gus's Fried Chicken in Greenbelt, Maryland. And Google Assistant responds with the answer, Mr. House coming right up. Here are the directions to Gus's Fried Chicken as well. Now, you might not get that level of customization, but you understand what we're talking about, my hungry homies. Download the Google Assistant today. Are you looking for a breakfast that is worth skipping the snooze button for? Thomas's is the only breakfast brand that delivers a one-of-a-kind eating experience with its original Nooks and Crannies English muffin. There's nothing quite like that Nooks and Crannies texture, my hungry homies. Perfectly toasted to give you irresistibly crispy edges with a soft, warm center. Take it from a true fan at House from D.C. The secret to revealing the perfect nooks and crannies goodness every time is to gently pull the Thomas's English muffin halves apart. You can use a fork to split them, but don't use a knife. Next, you lightly toast each half, and then you top them right away, right as they pop up out of that toaster with the butter. Just watch how that butter melts. It pools inside those amazing little nooks and cranny spaces. You know what I'm talking about. A delicious burst of flavor in every warm, toasty, buttery bite. If you haven't had them lately, you need to toast and butter some Thomas's Nooks and Crannies English muffins. They are truly like no other, my hungry homies. All right, now we're getting to the top six. And this is where it gets serious. This is this is where it gets really good. And I really started agonizing over my list. Number six, Portland, Oregon. Um, okay. A dark horse to actually make the finals if Curry doesn't come back and and you know Chris Paul and James Harden just combine to they take all of their f- past playoff choke jobs and just combine them into one giant Heimlich. There, there's a road. I don't think it'll happen, but there's a roadmap for Portland to sneak in. Portland has a really kind of eclectic scene. Like there's a lot of micro brews and weird restaurants and. It's a cool city. I like it there. I like the different kind of options. It, one of the fun things about it is it's not a place where you have to go and and have this hugely expensive dinner to have an awesome time. You can go to a really nice state of the art, um, you know, uh, micro micro pub slash whatever, and have a great time and try some beers and have a good cheeseburger and it's just one of those places. I'm a huge fan. I think there's just a lot of ways to go. Incredible coffee scene. I know we didn't really mention coffee as much, but um, I just like it. What do you think? That adds to it. So I like that you use the word eclectic because I think that's the perfect word for Portland. And shout out to Portland and its food scene. They have been at the forefront of a number of different movements. You mentioned coffee. They were sort of early first movers. Super early. On, on the, um, you know, the, sort of the uh, elegant coffee vibe. Uh, not expensive, but but elegant, like well, taking the time to pay attention. Yeah, and if I er- could interrupt you for a second. Also Please. the first in um, moody, ri- moody internet writers sitting in a coffee <laughs> shop for long periods of time having a $7 coffee. I think Portland pioneered that, and then Brooklyn took it and grabbed it. See, I don't think own. Portland was charging seven bucks, though. I think Portland was was yeah, charging was three. three bucks for that Whatever. cup of coffee. Maybe three but for that, the cigarettes, too. 
I also just want to give a Portland a pat on the back. Really at the forefront of the food truck scene, like as far back as you know, yeah. the early two thousands, the mid two thousands. They were really first on, on the um, like farm to table. This this way of describing super fresh local regional ingredients and and getting that uh, those ingredients into their their meals. And I like this thing that's going on. I'm having Danny Chow on, who has been to a couple of these cities that we're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, and and including Portland. They're doing this thing right now where um, restaurateurs are creating menus uh, related to drinking food. And we're talking about ethnicity. So like there are, there's a place that's serving Russian drinking food. And I had a chef on the House of Carbs uh, about a month ago, Andy Ricker, of Pok Pok, which is a northern uh, region Thai cuisine. He's doing – he has a cookbook on Thai drinking food, like the food that you eat while you're drinking. So, you know, sh- and more shout-outs to Portland. That's all. Hey, also – I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one of the reasons I love the Portland food scene. We went there once, <laughs> and I think we've told this story in House of Carbs with uh, our friend Hershey and a bunch of other people. We went to a cra- – what's that, crab place? What was it called? No, uh, it was um, like a Louisiana focus. And you started out the dinner. You had a Bloody Mary for some reason, even though it was like 10 o'clock at night, and then like it a vodka like a great something. Drink. It was flavorful. And you had like the etouffee and you had all these different things that just don't belong together in the same stomach. And then you had crab and then you had a steak. And it was honestly like watching what would happen if my dog, Willie, if we just left the fridge open and he could pull anything out he want and just gorged himself to death is what you were doing at this restaurant. And at one point you didn't feel that well and you went up and you disappeared and we didn't know where you went. And 10 minutes passed and 15 minutes passed. And I went to find you and you were sitting in a phone booth that didn't have a phone in it. And the door was closed (laughs) and you were just sitting in this phone booth doing, I don't know what, like trying not to die, I guess. And that's when we brought you back. (laughs) We brought you back to the table and you left. And that was the night that you told us the next day that you went back to your hotel room took off all your clothes and laid out on the bathroom floor, which I think is how Elvis died. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that I didn't die. The cold tile is very soothing. I highly recommend it. Okay. And I just had this experience of a real surge in spices. The combination of what was going on with the etouffee and the Bloody Mary nearly took my lid off. And it wasn't like spicy hot, like, oh my God, this is numbing my tongue. It was a spice that took my my body temperature from 98.6. And I think it hit 104 or 105 in about the first 20 minutes there. So I just needed a breath of fresh air. And, it, you know, God bless them. They had a booth. I could go sit in a booth. Uh, I got up, walked around, splashed some water in my face, and then just sat in a booth. I could sit upright. <laughs> and I was glad there was no phone there. Nobody interrupted me. But it was nice of you to come find me. <laughs> and also, people thought you were crazy. Nephew Kyle, what is what was crazier? How sitting in a phone booth by himself for 20 minutes that had no phone in it in a public restaurant with people walking by him? Or House willingly telling us the next morning that he lay on his hotel bathroom floor completely naked because the cooling bathroom tiles helped cool his body down. If you had to pick. Easily option A. I, I understand option B. <laughs> <laughs> Nephew Kyle. That's a, he's yeah. our House of Carbs producer. Uh, so anyway, shout out to Portland. That's a great city. Before we get to the top five, I, I want to pour out a little something for the city of Seattle, which oh, should have a right basketball team. You which got molested by David Stern and Clay Bennett and a whole bunch of people. 
and they stole their team 10 years ago, actually this summer. Um, I seem to be the only person outside of Seattle who even remembers this or cares, but it's a fucking joke. And we could have had Seattle in the NBA finals with this OKC team at least once. And in general, Seattle should just be an option for the finals every year. I love Seattle. Such a fun place to go. Such a fun place to eat. They had that crazy oh. market that's all-time, all-time great. Unbelievable right. seafood scene. Great restaurants. And it's shame on you, NBA. Shame on you. Shame on you, Adam Silver. Shame on you. I love you, Adam Silver, but shame on you. You should have fixed this by now. Well, he's only he's only been at it for a year. Uh, no, he's been I'm, at it for five years. He should have fixed this by now. Either get an expansion team or move one of your franchises that aren't working in Seattle. These people should have a team, and he should be agree. ashamed. He should. I just want to go eat there again. Yeah, it's me such too. such a great eating town. The sushi in, in, in Seattle, I'm dying for it. Well, I'll tell you this. The trade-off in a food, from a food standpoint from Seattle to OKC um, was half as bad as the James Harden trade. So anyway, <laughs> let's get to the top five. Uh Number five, Miami. I've been fortunate enough. I've led a very blessed life. For two years, we did the NBA, me and Jalen Rose. We did the NBA show. And Miami was in it for three out of the four series we did. And we went to Prime 112 a bunch of times. I got to watch Jalen eat um, lobster over and over again. Uh, that restaurant alone and the restaurant right across the street, which is their pasta place, those two alone, then you get Joe's Crab Shack, but then you have this whole Miami food scene and they really have a little bit of everything. But more importantly, you, we talk about these little pockets. Now you're talking about the Cuban pocket. Yeah, it's true. That, that, and that's before we get the, to fish, we get to like the fancy restaurants, we get to the glitzy ones, the expensive dinners, but then you have this whole Cuban side and I am 100% all the way in on, on the Cuban scene for food. I love you and it. me both. I wanted to quibble with Miami. I wanted to rank Miami lower than the than the top five. But I, as I was refreshing my my recollection about what that food scene is like, you you can have so many great meals from so many different. And this is common of all of the the, the cities in this top five. The eclecticism and the and the quality, like the very clean seafood, right? Like very fresh, bright seafood tastes. The greatest. You can you you can have you know very authentic uh, you know Cuban street food. I've had some of the best Italian food I've ever had in my whole life in Miami. Great coffee, and I'll tell you this: I wouldn't want to live in Miami, but if I could spend a week with perfect weather in any city in America, I'd pick Miami. I think there's the most stuff to do when you go out at night. It's it's just a scene. It's like electric. The food's yeah. great. Um, everything most about it is see. cool and different. It almost feels like you're not in America in some ways. Like it, like it, it feels like you're away. Feels European. Yeah, it, it, and I think there's some other cities like this too, where and it, like you go to Montreal. I haven't been to Toronto, but apparently it's like this where you, you don't even feel like you're in Canada. You feel like you're in Europe. Miami, you don't feel like you're in America. You feel like you're in this city that has transcended America and become something else. But uh, just an awesome place. And I think the food's really good there too. And um, it would be nice if they snuck into the finals, put it that way. Number four, Toronto, a city I've never been to. David Chang, um, I am deferring to him on this because he sent me his list. He said this was the number one choice in the East. Um, most options, most ways to go. 
I don't really have anything to add. I don't know if you know anything. Well, Juliet Lippman and I, for some, for whatever reason, Toronto keeps showing up in our food news. And, and so we were telling these stories and then we say to each other, we have to go to Toronto and see a basketball game and then go do some eating. Yeah. Now, funny you mentioned Chang. Chang included a restaurant called the Fishman Clubhouse. On his last meal on Earth, he's his uh, last meal on Earth had Ooh. him going from Franklin Barbecue down in the Austin, Texas area, directly on a direct flight up to Toronto, so he could go go conquer the salt and pepper king crab or the lobster mountain, whatever your your idea is. And you might rem- remember this from the video last year. Yeah, this is a place with an enormous mound of lobster. They can, you can Ugh. order lobster mountain. It's it lo- literally looks like it's four feet high. But the thing that commends Toronto, based on these stories that Juliet and I have been reading, incredible diversity in terms of of sort of I'll call micro cuisines. They are a lot of um, folks who have been displaced by the civil war in Syria have relocated over the last decade wow. in Toronto, and there's there's a Syrian food scene in Toronto. I'm into that. I want to try that. I want to see what that's all about. Uh, and I, I think, like you know sort of the yeah, human aspect. From of a it diversity as well. standpoint, it seems like it has the most to offer. But maybe of all the cities we're going to list in this podcast, just well, there's one city that rivals it, but it, it definitely has that that sort of international uh, vibe that that covers so much different territory: uh, Arabic, Indian, uh, yeah. you know. The Syrian thing, a uh, uh, huge Asian thing, great sushi there, um, and and we're not, we haven't touched any of the sort of things you would expect as native Canadians. So shout out Toronto. I think you have it in exactly the right spot. And then on top of it, um, let's just say Jalen, who made a career champagneing and campaigning once upon a time. I spent a lot of time with Jalen. Yeah, I asked him a lot of questions, especially <laughs> after he's had drinks uh, about. <laughs> Best NBA cities, best place to go, best place to party, best place for women, all that stuff. He, he revered Toronto for all the reasons you might think a single rich basketball player Jalen Rose, when he played there, probably would have revered it. Um, I'll leave it at that. Well, let's leave the it at that. Uh, number three, San Francisco. Now, I think that the Chinese food scene in San Francisco is a little overrated, but um, most options for, for out of, I think, all the big cities, most ways to go with food. But one of the things I like about it is you also have the pockets outside. Like you have Berkeley and you have Oakland and you have other, you can get adventurous almost like when, uh, when, you know, you're in Texas and you're in Dallas and be like, oh, let's drive 45 minutes to that barbecue place. San Francisco has a lot of that. Uh, I've spent, a, I've been there a lot. So it, I, I almost feel like I take it for granted, but uh, just an incredible amount of things to do and eat in San Francisco. So it has well, to be third. That's a city that um, has a genuine shot at hosting an NBA finals game. Yeah, it sure does. uh, Now that we have confirmation that you are going to every finals game this year, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be inviting myself out. I think it's been a decade, perhaps longer than a decade, since I was last in San Francisco Mm. and did some eating. It's always had a reputation as being like ingredient obsessed and hyper seasonal. Um, And, you know... uh, Really taking that sort of uh, 
farm to table concept and 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 elevating it and another place with a huge diversity you just touched on it uh, of options and and you know it's a place where um it's a no BS city in terms of food, which is to say, if you aren't producing top notch, you know, uh, highly uh, well executed uh, meals and whatever the yeah, cuisine is the that you've out. chosen, leave. You're, you're GTFO. That's, yeah, that, you San lose. Francisco is the GTFO. That's yeah, exactly you right. You lose your restaurant. We're putting another one in there tomorrow. Bye. That's right. That's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm psyched. This uh, one of our guests on on House of Carbs, uh, Kenji Lopez, out just opened a German Austrian style beer hall featuring versts, the 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 bratwurst, the sausages, and all of it. Ten minutes from the airport, that would be my first stop. I'm getting into the airport. I'm getting into the Uber, and we're going straight <laughs> to <Uber>. Wurst Hall. <laughs> we're going straight to Wurst Hall. I think a great argument for this podcast would have been L.A. versus San Francisco, and I would have advocated for L.A. Um, unfortunately, L.A. has two basketball teams, and neither of them made the playoffs. Sorry. The, yeah. Lake, the Lakers. <laughs> There's nothing to talk about. We talk about trust the process with the Sixers. The Lakers process has lasted just as long, and they still can't make the playoffs. And then the Clippers had this moment there where they had two of the best, like seven guys in the league. And now they have nobody left and they can't even make the playoffs. And they're pointing to stuff like we got, we have the 12th and 13th pick in the draft and Lou I mean, Williams on a good deal. It's like, congratulations. You're not going to be the in the Clippers, playoffs for a while. The Clippers clipped. That's um, what happened. The Clippers yeah. clipped. They right. do what they do. Uh, two versus one is the bird versus magic. The wire versus the Sopranos, the, the biggie versus Tupac. The um, Joe House's belly versus David Chang's belly. It's it's on par with all of those great arguments. Houston or New Orleans? Houston does not get enough credit, A, for being a great food city, B, for the unbelievable barbecue scene. Unbelievable. Um, to the point that Daryl Morey was telling me for years and years that they always had an advantage with free agents, partly because of of uh, the size of the house you'd be able to get and the food and maybe a couple other things too. But the food, and and I was like, does food really, really, they love the food? But at the NBA players love the food and with reason, it's really good. The barbecue options are out of control and Houston is gigantic. It's, so, it is this sprawling, massive city and there's just food everywhere. And if they make the finals and they host games one, two, six and seven conceivably, it probably won't get that far, but I'm really excited to just deep dive. Let's go. Let's go Houston. Make the finals. I want, I want to try out some of your restaurants. So on the one hand, it's, it's absolutely great. There's no, it shouldn't come as a surprise that New Orleans and Houston, where they sit geographically, they're very close to each other. There's always been a rivalry between the two, although Houston did take on a bunch of New Orleans residents after Katrina. So I think you know some of that, that oh, uh, interesting. Rival, rivalry um, has been solved. But the two, the two uh, places are known for the diversity of their, their cuisine. And Houston, you mentioned it, like a— you know, uh, folks have been saying for a few years now, including our pal David Chang, whose Instagram today shows a giant uh, um, uh, pot filled with crawfish, and they look to be beautifully spiced. Um, you mentioned barbecue. The, the Houston food scene features this thing. We had a couple chefs on after Harvey, uh, yeah. Chris Shepard and Justin Yu, talking about Viet Cajun. Oh. Now, 
In the first place, Houston is supposed to be one of the great places, not uh, other than Vietnam, to have Vietnamese food. He, he Chang says it's the best Vietnamese food he's had anywhere. Yeah, who David, knew? Yeah, who knew? So that that's one thing. But they have uh, d- done this mashup over, and I think it has a long history, a long tradition in Houston of taking that Vietnamese style uh, of cooking and and you know merging it with the, that New Orleans sort of you know crawfish focused uh, uh, you know Creole kind of vibe and produce this this uh, Viet Cajun thing and it has a season it starts in February and goes through June and they have these and I think uh, an episode of Ugly Delicious I mean I know we're pimping out Dave Chang uh, a buttload here but I think his up m- next uh, Ugly Delicious episode is on the Houston food scene and in particular, I, these, these crawfish. I don't mind pimping him because I'm going to his restaurant for an eighth time this weekend. And every time I, I walk in, they everybody shakes my hand and they give me a table and they name <laughs> the fries after me. So I'll pimp him as much as I want. <laughs> and I don't care what the people of OKC in Cleveland think yet again. I don't care what, either, what anyone in either city thinks about that. Uh, I think it's it's funny about the stereotypes of cities and food. Like I mentioned the Boston clam chowder thing a little earlier. Houston, I've always thought like, oh, they yeah, great barbecue in Houston. It's actually greater than just great barbecue. But then on top of it, as you said, there's a diversity in the underbelly of it that I just don't even think people realize or appreciate. And I'll tell you, I would, I would love to exploit that. But with that said, it still doesn't top the number one on this list. The number one on any list, really. A city that I do not allow myself to go anymore because it has every vice that I have basically in life. And the last time I was there, it took me three and a half weeks to recover. New Orleans. New Orleans food. The problem with New Orleans food is it's so rich and it's so good and it's so heavy and it's so decadent that you just get in the rhythm of eating it. And after like day three, you kind of become an addict it's almost hard to go back to normal food. Like it's like, oh yeah, we finished dinner. I think I'll I'll have a bread pudding with bourbon sauce on it. Like you don't even think about it after a while. You don't appreciate it. You just become, uh, you just kind of lose your mind. And the food's the food's amazing. There's a bunch of different ways to go, but it's also distinct. It really always feels like New Orleans. And on top of everything else, you know how much I love gumbo. We talked about it last week. I love gumbo. So it's I just get excited when gumbo is the special and uh and you throw in the fish and everything and and we didn't even talk about the bernays which I don't I'm not allowed to eat anymore but um New Orleans is the number one I don't see how I think it's an unassailable choice what do you think house I I um have not eaten in Houston so I want to give Houston a fair shake okay I have eaten in New Orleans several 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 times yeah and the problem I have with and, New and Orleans cousin is- cousin Sal almost threw up on you in New Orleans. I well, mean, that's the, seen a house eats three. You mentioned that you may not be allowed back in, in New Orleans for health reasons. I don't. I think I'm literally banned from New Orleans. I know I'm banned from the Acme Oyster House yeah. after the, the, the shape that we that Apologies. cousin Sal in particular left, left that place. Just we did leave a big tip, though. We left them a we great did, big tip. We also left our dignity. 
<laughs> well, I the the problem is the list of classics in New Orleans. It's it's like forty deep. So each time you go, you feel like you have to go eat at four or five places just to sort of make sure that you're you're keeping up, that you're uh, exploring the city in a way that that's respectful of what it's all about. And you can't do that in in a lightweight way because the only proper way to enjoy those New Orleans classics is to eat the food the way that it's the chef intended it, the way that that tradition intends yeah, for you to there's enjoy no, like, it. There's no sauce on the side bullshit. Exactly. There's no, exactly. can I get that? But can you let us wrap that? Like, just don't go to New Orleans then. It's insulting. Yeah, you know me. I'll, 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 I'll go gluten-free with stuff. I'll, I'll get a little, uh, you know. I, I embarrassingly um, direct with some of my orders. I would never do that in New Orleans. Yeah, I you're mean, in New you're, Orleans. You're, you're there, man. You're playing. You're you're you're, ha- you're playing the game. You're having po' boys five different yeah, ways. You're, you're having you're a beignet. Having, you're just you're, having you're, one. Yeah, you're 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 having uh, uh, jambalaya. You're having the gumbo. Oh, that jambal- you I forgot about jambalaya. Oh, I yeah, love jambalaya. Right. There's no forgetting it. Jambalaya right? is I mean, so good. Yeah. Well, you're having oysters, Rockefeller. You're having, you know, bananas, Foster. It's on. It's well, at the and that's, end of every we, meal. I'm glad you brought that up. I would say the dessert scene in New Orleans trumps everybody else. It's the first place that I ever uh, had to bake Alaska where he put the thing on fire, which was a, yeah, a glorious experience. They put their experience. desserts on fire in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> they make, they make big ass souffles. They make a... Uh, just bread pudding that's actually really good bread pudding. Bread pudding is like the veal chop. It can go wrong 90% of the time. But the 10% when it goes right is is uh, magnificent. Um, they'll, they'll, they're just ready for everything. They have soups. It's it's one of those places. I, I remember the last time I went between um, the meals we had, um, all the casino nights with, with Jacoby and... Um, <laughs> You know, went into the wee wee hours, the cigarettes. I really felt like I was going to die on the way home. And Jacoby, I actually thought was going to die. I was like really thinking about what happens if he like his eyeballs were on the back of his head and he's just, that's it. What do we do? Do they land the plane? Do they, we ride it out? Um, you, It's not a place you can be for more than three days. Well, Can't that, do that's it. right. And fortunately for this year's NBA playoffs, it, it's a place that we don't have to be for any days. Well, There's no days we have to be or there. Or we never thought they were going to make the playoffs. Maybe Anthony Davis just takes no prisoners and all of a sudden I, we're eating jambalaya in seven weeks. I'm not ruling I it guess. out. Never say never. You're absolutely right about that. Because they're going to be a seven seed or an eight seed. But if they play Golden State without Curry, I mean, I, I don't think they can win a, even a first round series, but... What Davis did these last three months, I thought was extraordinary. He averaged, since the All-Star break, he averaged a 30 and 12. I mean, those are like Shaq numbers. And, oh, and on was... top of it, like three and a half blocks a game and and five or six holy shit plays a game. And he's completely unstoppable. So It was an all, all-timer performance. It really it, was. He put together like, you know, a 50-game season that would, would make him the MVP uh, if you could stretch it out across 80 games. In in any season, his 50-game stretch was as good as anything you could you can muster amongst yeah. anybody that's won the MVP of the last decade. Because he never wanted to play center, and Boogie goes out, and he basically has to log a huge chunk of time at center— and the reality is, with the way basketball is played in 2018, he's the best possible version of a five that we're going to have in the league. And if you're going all time, he's in the discussion for, 
I, I would say like 1986 Mikhail, 2001, 2002 Duncan, like guys who weren't really centers, but moved like sleek forwards and just gave you all kinds of options and could shoot from the outside a little bit. And um, he's just the guy you would want out of all the guys we have right now. And he embraced it. And it's just a bizarre story that somehow cost us lots of money that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> well, fortunately, New Orleans is not getting any more of our money because they're not going to make it to the NBA Finals. So of the likely matchups, it seems like as we sit here today on April the 10th, yeah. the finals are going to feature Golden State or Houston in the West, it seems like. So two outstanding eating towns, two of our top five. And then in the East, I mean, what are we doing? What are we talking about? Well, Philly would be the ideal. Philly ahead of Toronto. Toronto's in our top five. I'm just saying for the most fun series that has the most storylines and just is the weirdest and most, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. I think from an eating standpoint, Houston versus Toronto is kind of the holy grail. And one of those things where you just tell the tailor to let out five pounds in your slacks before you even go, just do yeah. it preemptively. I'm um, rooting for it. I'm going to gamble on it just just to have a taste, to have that rooting interest. It's Although definitely if I one gamble the, on it, it won't happen. So maybe I should leave it alone. Yeah, about 10 days in, maybe you unbuckle your pants at the table as you're still eating, but you had a few too many drinks and you stood up and your pants fell down. It's one of those series. <laughs> Wouldn't Houston, be the Toronto. first time. Yeah. Would not be the first time. It's up my pants around my ankle series. Uh, <laughs> on that note. But yeah, so you could say Houston number one, New Orleans number one. I don't really care what the order is. I just want to make sure that OKC and Cleveland are 15 and 16 in some order. Uh, well, we're, and we're, we might end up in Cleveland and we might take shit, but I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, no, it's I, not an insult, Cleveland. This, like, you, you, you don't have a good food scene. You just don't. No, maybe they do. Maybe they no, do. They we've don't. thrown down the gauntlet. They if don't. there's good food in, in Cleveland that we haven't detected, that hasn't been brought up over tell our us. travels, tell, tell let's House. hear it. House That's has it. an Instagram. He's got a House of Carbs Instagram. You can send him pictures of awesome dishes from Cleveland. You can uh, yeah. tweet at him. Belly source that shit. Yeah, tell him if we're wrong, we're not. We're not being mean about it. We just don't know any better. I just know from my experiences eating in OKC in Cleveland that the options were scarce. Yeah, I might have had hungry about terrible it. We're not angry. We're hungry. Yeah, we're not angry. We're hungry. So send That's us some it. recommendations, and we should mention because I, I think I bumped Danny Chow because I went too long. But next next week, Danny Chow should come in. And review our list and give us his take on a couple of these, right? That should be that should be the sequel, almost like the wait. critic. The critic, yeah. For, da for Danny is our our on man on the ground. He's uh, he's touring these cities and eating in them. He's most recently been to Portland and New Orleans oh, in wow. the last six months. So we're going to get some great names and some great tastes out of Danny's mouth. And if you want a preview before we get to Danny uh, next week, get on his Instagram. You have yeah. to follow him on the Instagram, Danny King Chow at Danny King Chow on Instagram. Get on the man's Instagram and get a preview of what we're going to be talking about because it's mother effing delicious. And again, if you took offense to any of the rankings, if you live in one of these cities and you're offended by how we rank them or our lack of information, instead of complaining about it, instead of calling us angry words and bitching about it and being shitty, help us, educate us, send us- Belly source. Send us, do some belly sourcing and send us some Instagrams and change our minds. Turn this into a positive. It's not a negative. It's a positive. 
Um, my my impression of OKC is I've been there a couple of times and two of the best five restaurants in the entire city were named after athletes. I don't know. That's a red flag in my mind. But if if we're wrong, prove it to us. Tell us tell us why we're wrong. I, I anticipate some outstanding belly source and beef lemons. Bring it on. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, House. This was fun. Thanks for coming on the House of Carbs, buddy. All right. Talk to you soon. There we go, my hungry homies, my taste buds, my culinary comrades. Ranking from 16 to 1 of the outstanding food cities represented in this year's NBA playoffs as the podfather has thrown down the gauntlet. If you do not like where your city fell in these rankings, hit us up. We are going to be going to wherever it is that the two NBA teams who are competing in the finals uh, reside, and we're going to be doing some outstanding eating. If you don't like where your city ended up, hit us up at the House of Carbs. That's the Instagram. And show us some pictures and send us some notes and tell us where to go. You don't like being at 15, the 15 or 16 slot, Cleveland or Oklahoma City? Hit us up and tell us some great places to eat in your hometowns. As always, my hungry homies, we appreciate the listen. We appreciate the reviews on the iTunes. And as always, we shall be back next week with another outstanding edition of House of Carbs. In the meantime, let's stay hungry out there.